0: Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. Hello and welcome back to another Great Deception podcast. I'm Don Britton and today I'm going to talk to you about your first love. I want to ask you this question. Have you left your first love? I'm referring to the time back when you first came to the Lord and you were so excited and you were so thankful and you were so relieved And so hopeful. And you wanted to serve the Lord and do whatever you could to please him at that time. Remember? And for so many people, that original set of feelings, which I just want to call it love of God, those original feelings have all dried up. They've dried up over the years and have been replaced with something else. Jesus said in Revelation 2 verse 4, he said, But this I have against you, that you have left your first love. He said in verse 5, remember, therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. See, the lampstand is a light that we have from Jesus. It's, it's, the, it's the life of God in us. It's mean, without the lampstand, without Jesus, without the light, without his spirit, without his word, we would have no hope. He's going to remove it from us if we don't repent, if we've left our first love. So what are we going to do if he removes it? You see, as a country, America, we Americans, as America, we have left our first love. America has left her first love. You see, originally, America was a place for religious freedom and independence from oppression, and a place of freedom to worship and serve God. That's how it started out. Men came here. They went. They came here all the way across the ocean. They left everything behind just to have a chance at freedom to be able to serve and worship God without the oppression they had from the powerful and oppressive churches of Europe, you know, the Catholic Church and the, and the Church of England and other churches like that, the, the institutional churches that they were used to in those days, and they, those churches, they could, they could kill you or at least imprison you if, if you didn't agree with them uh, or you even spoke against them. So, you, you know, you had to go along with them or you could be in real trouble. So our original founding fathers framed the Constitution from biblical principles and faith in God. It was their intention to give us freedom from religious oppression and the evil of tyranny from corrupt governments. It was their intention to get away from all that that terrible situation that was going on in Europe at the time when people came here to start America. They knew that it was not possible to have this kind of society unless men looked to God for wisdom and godly principles and followed the ways of the Lord. So laws were made to uphold decent and just principles to govern men towards justice and equity and the promotion of a Christian society. That was how it was originally set up. Courts used, used to use, courts at one time, used biblical standards to make fair and just judgments. Our school systems centered its education around the ways of God, and teachers often used the Bible to correct wayward students. And up until recent times, you know, and I say recent times, I mean, just in the last few decades, teachers taught creation by a living God, rather than the theory of evolution of men coming from monkeys. I mean, this is all brand new stuff. And, you know, it's happened in my lifetime. There was a time when you could trust people. And a man's word was established on a handshake. I remember that. I remember when I was just a boy. I mean, people didn't write contracts all the time. I'm not saying they never were any contracts or any lawyers. But in general, people could just give your give their word and it was good enough. It's not like that anymore. So from the beginning of our country until recent times, we had a decent, upright society for the most part. Then most people, at that time, most people believed in God. Most people prayed with earnestness and in hoped and had hope of heaven. Most people went to church in those days back then. Somewhere, they went to church somewhere and they put their trust in God. And church, I'm going to tell you, church was different 100 years ago than it is now. Church wasn't like it is. It, it's, it's become a social club. It's become a business. And I'll have more to say about that later. But the point is that when men went to church a 100 years ago, there was, a, there was a spirit of God, a spirit of conviction, and there was preaching that was from the Bible. So people back then went to church somewhere and put their trust in God. And, and even in those days, too, another thing that was so different is that back then, parents used to discipline their children. And schools didn't have the chaos with unruly and undisciplined kids as they do today. I've talked to teachers that can't hardly handle what's going on in the schools today. I've had I've known one teacher or more that's quit because of the terrible condition that they have in schools. They can't discipline, they can't correct, they they can't say anything. If they say something to the parents, they get in trouble and the kids just take over. It never it wasn't like that in times past. Also in earlier times, crime was very low. People could leave their doors unlocked and not even have to worry about it. You know, 50, 100 years ago, I mean, you didn't have, uh, you know, this thing about home invasions and all this stuff. It's all a pretty new thing. The law used to be respected, and the police were considered back in those days the good guys. And you could trust a police officer if you were in trouble or something was going on. You could depend on the police, and you could trust them to do the right thing. I'm not saying there never was any bad human beings, but I'm talking about in general. Many of our earlier presidents were godly men who cried out to God and who went to God for wisdom and for guidance on how to manage the country and how to do the right thing. You know, that that's not happening anymore. And back then, most neighbors were good neighbors, you know, and they would be there to help you in time of need. One neighbor would help another. If, something, if there was a problem, you could count on your neighbors. You know, it was truly a time... It was a time when neighbors truly loved when, 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 you know, when they truly love people, love their neighbors themselves is what I'm trying to say. You know, it's like the scripture says it was biblical. This country at one time was really a Christian country, but it's not so today. See today, everybody's looking out after their own interests. Nobody's willing to help you. I mean, there's there's reports of people being laying in the street that have been beat half to death and people just walk by and let them lay there and bleed. Nobody cares anymore. This, this society, I mean, we're a godless society with hardened hearts and calloused hearts and and people's love has grown cold, which was predicted in the scriptures. You know, in times past, divorce was rare. I can remember even as a boy growing up in the 50s and the 60s, I can remember that, especially in the 50s and even the 60s, I remember that, you didn't have much divorce. And, and if we, if we knew someone who was divorced, I remember they used to use the term, was well, she's a divorcee, like that something was wrong with her because she is a divorcee, as they would say. And so it was very, it was kind of rare to see a divorced woman or a divorced man. That just wasn't, people stayed together back then. They stayed together through thick and thin, you know, for better or for worse or whatever. They stayed together for the most part. And they just worked through things. And I mean, that's just because it was kind of biblical to do that. And it, and people had more of a tendency to follow a biblical pattern in our society back in those days. So divorce was was pretty rare up until recent times. And now everybody gets a divorce. Now the church is full of divorces. Divorce rates like 60% in the church. And it's like the s- same thing in the world, 55 or 60% in the world. And so... You know, it's it's now considered to be a normal part of Christianity, which is all pretty much a new thing. And homosexuality was at one time considered a sin against God and and the way God had designed men and women. It was considered to be perverted at one time. And even in society, it was shunned. It wasn't even acceptable in the worldly society, much less the church, you know, say 50 to 100 years ago. And whatever homosexuality there was... It was pretty much out of sight. You didn't know about it. If it was, I mean, there's always been sin and things like that, but it it wasn't thrown in your face and it wasn't acceptable in those days. And marriage was always, always thought to be between a man and a woman. I'll tell you something, you know, I'm 72 years old. And if even 50 years ago, 50 years ago, if somebody has said to me or said to you, that in a few years that it would be legal for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman, we would have laughed about it. We would have thought this is never going to happen in America, but here it is. It's with us today. And so it has happened. And so these things that, (laughs) these things like this and many more such things, you know, and even our courts, you know, our courts have moved away from using God and using the Bible and using the wisdom of God to make, to make judgments it's moved into a very liberal mindset, a very worldly, a very secular mindset, and so that's the reason things like this, the reason of abortion and, and men marry men and all the uh, gay marriage, those kinds of things are a result of leaving God. There's a lot more I could say about America and its downfall from biblical principles. I could bring it up about the movie industry or the or the music industry, or I could bring it up about the sports idolatry, or I could bring it up about the video game obsessions that people have, or... The social media and how it's degraded our our country. I could bring all that up, but I don't have time today. I don't have time to address all of that. In fact, I've, I've addressed some of it on different podcasts along the way, but I only have to say that it has become, all of this has become very corrupted. All of these different medias have become very corrupted and godless, and these things have poisoned the minds of Americans, including American Christians, American Christians are just as involved in all these things as the world is. So I can also say that America, having said all of that, I can safely say that America has left its first love. America was founded upon a love of God, a love of godly principles, a love of biblical principles. That was how America was founded originally. And so as a result, America America has left its first love. I raise the question is, so how did America fall like she has? How did this happen? Well, is it not because the church has lost its moral influence on the society as it once had and has made compromises to please people rather than please God? Could it be that the American church has left its first love and as a result, the first love that America has left its first love because the church has left its first love? Could that be? Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, he said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So if we love God, we do what he says. It's as simple as that. If we love God, we do what he says. If we don't do what he says, we don't love him. So obviously America doesn't love God because it doesn't do what he says. At one time, America generally did what he did do what he says and, and at one time america generally loved god and at one time the church did what god says for the most part and for the at one time you could say the church loved god but the church has left its first love which is the love of god to do what god says to obey god to, to follow god to keep his word and so the church has left that so what has happened so tell me some of the things let's think about some of the things that have happened to the church say in the last 100 years. Well, about 100 years ago or so, if you were to sin, if you were in sin, let's say you were in uh, adultery or you were in fornication or you were in, in stealing or lying or cheating or something, or you're running a, 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 an unsavory business, let's say, you would have been very nervous to, to have gone to church. You would have been very nervous in those days to have attended church somewhere because in those days, generally, the Spirit of the Lord was in the church back then. And at that time, preachers did not preach easy believism or preach false grace, but they preached with power against sin. And they preached with conviction from the word of God that sin was evil and that if you were, in the, you were under the judgment of God and hell was waiting for you if you practiced sin. They didn't make any bones about it back in those days a hundred years ago. It was pretty commonly understood. If you came to church, you came to hear the word of God. And another thing that was different in those days... Just to give you kind of a perspective, back then, 100 years ago, let's say, those in those days, a preacher or a pastor, he wasn't just a clergyman as we have today who sat in an office all the time. He was a farmer or he was a rancher or he was a, a blacksmith or a carpenter or some kind of a factory worker or, or he had a job somewhere doing something and he and he preached on the weekends and he worked with people's lives as he could. And so the elders of the church, churches were small. They were, uh, they were localized in a small community and people came and they knew each other and the pastors and the, and the overseers and the elders and the bishops, they all worked together to help people. And people were, were, were being corrected and instructed in the word of God on a personal basis, which is unlike it is today. And so as a result, we had, we had good results. And they and see, these, these preachers, these pastors, they didn't worry so much about pleasing people nearly as much as they were concerned about pleasing God and saying what God had to say. So they spoke the word of God freely against sin, and they called men to repentance and to holiness. And the churches were usually small and localized, like I said, and they were giving a, a personal attention to people. There were no mega churches or, for the most part, career-paid pastors back 100 years ago I'm not saying there weren't any at all, but most of them were just working men that did the, did the ministry voluntarily. That's what we used to have in this country. And, and so these men didn't just sit around in a church office all week taking care of church business, so to speak, living an easy lifestyle, getting paid by the people who were out working for a living. That's not the way it used to be in this country. And another thing, in those days, divorce and fornication and adultery and drunkenness and dishonesty and most any other sin was not allowed in the church. They didn't allow it. If someone was caught doing some of these things, they would be they would be taken aside and they would be corrected. They would then be given opportunity to repent. And if it was found that they hadn't repented, they would be put out of the church. That was a very common thing that they'd been put out because the church was not the place for the practice of sin. But is it that way today? You see, even our society frowned upon a lot of these things. And what's happened is the church at one time had a powerful moral influence on the society. And now you can see what's going on now. The Church has no moral influence on society. You see, over the years, as pastors as as things began to transition from what the way it used to be, say a hundred years ago, and pastors became became more and more uh, they, they moved more and more uh, towards making preaching a living or a vocation, a job, as they did as they did that moving more and more in that direction, then they needed more money. The church needed a lot more money because then it had to pay the pastor and eventually then it added a staff of members and it got bigger and bigger and it had to have more and more money. So the tithe preaching began to be a big deal. They started preaching tithe a lot more than they ever did before. And then they began to have to build big buildings and fancy buildings to try to you know make the church more popular for the world. And so you can see the deterioration how things began to happen. And so at one, at one point in our history, you know in the last hundred years or so, around the early 1900s, the sinner's prayer was introduced, and it, it made getting saved a real easy thing. Instead of having to seek God and, and to be under conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit and turn yourself totally to God, you could just pray the sinner's prayer. They said, and then you're going to be automatically saved. And so, what happened too that over time is the gospel of repentance from sin began to be watered down, and it was eventually replaced, even in this modern time now, with just with the, with the gospel of repentance for, from sin being left out now most most people when they present the gospel anymore don't even mention repentance from sin anymore it goes along with something like this it just says they just say ask Jesus in your heart or believe in Christ and you'll be saved and they even go on to say well once you're saved you're always saved heaven is guaranteed so what's happened is we've lost we've lost this this idea that you have to seek God and overcome sin and walk with God faithfully and wholly during your life or you won't go to heaven you see once the once they've always saved became very popular in this, and it's became very popular in the last 20 to 50 years it wasn't really that popular before there was hardly anybody that believed once they always saved 100 years ago most people understood if they practiced sin that, that hell was waiting on them but now it's like everybody believes they're, once they are saved they are always saved nothing can take that away so what's happened is that the, the, in the modern, most pop, more popular gospel that we have today, we have a gospel now that has no repentance of sin. It doesn't have a cross to bear. It doesn't have any self-denial anymore. It doesn't have any uh, explanation that you have to overcome sin, be overcomers to enter the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't teach you that you have to endure to the end to be saved. And there's not really any, any serious obedience to the word of God. It's just basically uh, go to church, accept Christ, pay your tithes, and you're good to go. And if you, do, if you sin, so what? Because you're covered by the quote-unquote false grace. So what's happened is, is the moral decay of the church has, has become so severe that it has affected the society in such a same severe way. And now we have, we have no morals in the society because the church has lost its morals. And so at one time, like I mentioned before, divorce was a rare thing, but now divorce is completely acceptable in the church. It's it's normal. I mean, most churches are full of divorce. Divorce is just part of everyday business in church anymore, and nobody says much of anything about it. Adultery is winked at in the church. Fornication is no longer considered a deadly sin. And in some churches, homosexuals uh, are pastors even. And in other churches, they're at least a member in good standing. Now, what... <laughs> And so here we are now whatever the world is doing whatever the world is saying whatever the world has accepted is the same with the church anything from immorality to gossip and everything in between you know the church is doing it just like the world is at one time the church used to, used to warn that sinners were doomed to hell forever and now the church says that we're all just sinners saved by grace And so sin has become now a normal part of a Christian's life, which is just completely opposite of the way it was, say, a 100 years ago. Now, you can see the progression of how things have changed over the last 100 years and how the church itself has lost its way. Church was once a place to get spiritual instruction and correction for the soul. But now it's a place to get your ears tickled and to be made comfortable in your sins. Church was once an institution for holiness but now is a big business and just a, a, a large social club for the most part. The tithe teaching has greatly multiplied over the last hundred years as preachers have taken money, more and more money, for their income and more and more money to build large fancy monuments, buildings to themselves. Pastors once prayed with tears over their flocks when they considered that people might be in sin. But now the pastors fleece the flocks they fleece the sheep for unjust gain. There's much more I could say about the state of the church in America today, but I don't have time today. You might want to get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ. It goes into a lot more detail. You can find it on my website at www.christianmyths.org or you can find it on Amazon. So I can confidently say that the American church is has left its first love. The American church has for sure left its first love. That is the love of God and the love of his word and the love of his ways and obedience to God. I have briefly covered now today. I've briefly covered the, the American, our country, America and the church and how that they have left their first love. I've briefly covered that just in a, just in a few minutes here. But the question is, what about you as an individual? Have you left your first love? Think about it now because the church is made up of individuals and the country is made up of churches so where does this all start it starts with us right do you remember when you first came to the lord do you remember how excited you were or do you remember how thankful you were how hopeful you were or how glad and relieved you were that you were forgiven of all your past sins and how how you were ready to serve god in your gratitude do you remember that you remember how You had this zeal and this excitement about you. Do you remember that? You really loved God at that moment, didn't you? Most of us did. The question I have for you, are you still that way? If not, why not? Did you exchange being a true Christian that is being of Christ for just being a Baptist or a charismatic or a Presbyterian or a Catholic or Lutheran or something, or some other man-made denominational religious system? Did you exchange the reality of being a true Christian for that? Did you do that? A lot of people have done that. If so, you've left your first love. See, Jesus is not divided into a thousand denominations. He is not. Jesus is not a Baptist. He is not a charismatic. He's not a Presbyterian. He's not a Lutheran. He's not a Pentecostal. He's not a Catholic. Jesus is the, is the exact representation of his father in heaven. And we're supposed to be made into the image of Christ, not into the image of a Baptist or the image of a charismatic or the image of anything else. You see what I'm saying? Because once you, you get hooked up with those denominations, you, become, you, you, you get made into their image. You get made into a Baptist or into a charismatic or into a Lutheran or into a Catholic. You get made into that, which is not the image of Christ. And if you've done any of that, you've left your first love. So after coming to Jesus, let me ask you this. After coming to Jesus, when you originally were just sincere, you didn't know much about the word. You didn't know much about what was to be expected. But did, you, did your pastor take away that urgency you had to not sin? That, you know, the original urgency you had to not go back to your sin? Did you take it away by preaching the common ear-tickling messages that are common today using grace as a covering for sin rather than grace being a commandment not to sin? If so, have you gradually drifted back into your old sins? You know, the ones that you turned away from to start with when you first came to the Lord, the ones you said you repented of when you first turned to the Lord. Do you remember that? If so, if you've drifted back into those old sins, if so you have left your first love as a result then are you comfortable now with some sin in your life if so you've lost the fear of the lord if you really ever had it i think you had it in the beginning because that's kind of what motivated you to turn to the lord to start with Was a little bit of fear the fear that he might judge you the fear that you might be lost forever the hope that maybe you could be saved and forgiven of your sin so there was a little bit of fear there fear of the lord You see, without the fear of the Lord, no one can be saved. But you must maintain that fear of the Lord. That fear of the Lord has to continue. It says in the scriptures that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. To fear the Lord is to hate sin and on and on and on. So the fear of the Lord is necessary. It says says in in, in Exodus 20, it says the fear of the Lord will keep you from sin. So the fear of the Lord is very necessary for our spiritual health. If you, have, if you have no fear of the Lord, then you have lost your first love. And another question I have for you. Do you love anything more than the Lord himself? Do you love anything more than him? Do you love your denomination more? Do you love your pastor more? Do you love your family more? Says anyone who loves father or mother, or brother, or sister, or son, or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He said that. Jesus said that. Do you love your sin more? Do you love your career more? Do you love making money more? I mean, you could go on and on. Is there anything you love more than God? Is there anything? If it is, it's an idol, and the Lord will not participate with idols. And if you do have anything you love more than the Lord, you've left your first love, and you're lost. Let me go further with this. Have you by any chance become lazy, slothful, or passive by neglecting your responsibilities? You know, your, your responsibility, like for an example, do you just accept what your church traditions do or say and what your pastor teaches without checking it out in the word of God for yourself? You know, that's a responsibility that everyone has. Do you just accept it? Do you just go along with the go along? Right, have you just settled in? To your denomination everything's okay you don't even question you don't look up anything because i promise you if you're in a denomination i don't care which denomination it is. there's false teaching there there's a false jesus there there's a false thing going on there your pastor's not always telling you the truth if you don't know that then you've neglected your responsibilities because you just settle in you become lazy you see uh, uh, you're supposed to be a diligent you're supposed to diligently seek God. You're supposed to diligently study the word to show yourself approved as a workman who handles accurately the word of truth. You should know what's false there. If you don't, then you've left your first love, you see. So if you're that passive and have res- have neglected your responsibility to know the truth for yourself and for your family, men, how many men... How many men have failed to teach their wives and their children the word of God because they depended on the church? They depended on the Sunday school. They depended on the pastor. They depended on the youth pastor. And they didn't even find out what the truth was to teach their own families. And so their own families are being deceived and deluded because men didn't take the responsibility to do that. Men, if you're like that, if you've done that, you have left your first love. And what about your family? It Wouldn't it be a terrible thing to find out in the end that you sat in a false church under false teaching and all your whole family and you went to hell and there your family's looking at you and says, well, daddy, why didn't you tell us any better than this? Because see, fathers, you are the pastor of your own family. You're the shepherd of your own sheep. Don't depend on that pastor. Don't depend on that denomination. Don't depend on that church to guide your family to heaven. It's your responsibility to do that. Let me ask you another question. Have you failed to seek the Lord continually for yourself? You know, for the truth, for in prayer. Have have you maintained a fervent prayer life? Have you continued to study his word? You know, you're lazy if you're not studying the word. If you haven't continued to study the word, if you just go along with whatever the pastor says, you're lazy and you've neglected again your responsibility with the Lord and you have left your first love. We should all love the Lord. We should love his word. We should seek God. We should know his word for ourselves. And men, and this is something I have been I have been so disappointed in for years and years, is men not loving their families, not lo- especially loving their wives. Men, have you failed to love your wife by washing her in the water of the word and helping her in every way you can to relieve her of stress and anxiety because the woman is the weaker vessel? And men, you're supposed to care for her and love her like Christ loved the church. Have you failed to do that? That most basic thing in your own home with your own wife that God gave you? If you have, then you have left your first love and you've neglected, you've neglected the commandment of the Lord. And men, have you been a living example for your family by establishing order and discipline and cleanliness and faithfulness and godliness And leadership in your home? Have you done that? If not, then you've neglected the way of the Lord and you have left your first love. You can't just depend on going to church on Sunday to take care of these things. This is your responsibility. Are you like so many men in this generation? Are you like so many men in this generation who are slothful by laying around the house when things need to be done or being a slob by not cleaning up after yourself and living in disorder and uncleanliness while being a burden to your wife and a bad example to your children. Are you men like this? You know, is this the way you are at home, but you put on a good front at church, you smile and talk to Jesus talk when you go to church? If so, you've left your first love and there's no hope for you. America has fallen into moral decay and the church has fallen into apostasy because decades ago men and women began to leave their first love that is their love and devotion to the lord above all else and they have exchanged that love for something else a lot of it has been for easy man-made religion or for some kind of sin or for some kind of desire of the world or the deceitfulness of riches or whatever it is that they like to do that's, that's really contrary to the ways of the Lord or just for themselves, just to live for self. You know, it may be too late for America and it may be too late for the American church, but it's not too late for you. If you've left your first love for any of the reasons I've mentioned or for some reason that I didn't mention, why not return to the Lord now with all of your heart. Why not run to Jesus and devote yourself completely to him and give up your man-made religion or your sin or your love of anything else that you love more than God and turn away from your laziness and your slothfulness and your passivity and diligently turn to the Lord and diligently seek him and diligently love him by obeying him and living for him you can return to your first love today if you're willing to you can if you're willing to repent repent means you turn from everything that's wrong here you don't just keep on keeping on the same old way it's not just giving some words it's a change of heart jesus said that he was knocking at the door of the church over in revelation and in a way he's knocking at your door today of your heart will you let him in Will you let him have his way? Will you give up your life for him? Will you give it all to him? Will you quit being a, a, a just a, a game plan, a social Christian and, and become a true believer? You remember, remember at one point you committed yourself to him a long time ago, you know, when you first fell in love with him. So why not let him be your first love again and love him above all else? If you don't become completely his, you will have no hope because your lampstand, that is Jesus Christ, will be removed from you and you will be in everlasting torment. Narrow is the way and small is the gate that leads to life and few are those who find it. May you be one of the few. I certainly hope that you are. Thank you for listening to The Great Deception Podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmyths.org for more information for my blog and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine... The Great Deception.